team's goal, of course, Big East Championship. 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 I, I think we have a lot more left, um, and that's, that's really one of our strengths. No matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. It can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you gotta stay, stay locked in, stay motivated, and do what you gotta do to be the player you wanna be. Hi everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the new season of Full Court Press. My name is Nathan Chen. I will likely be hosting a lot of these, and I'm here with Aaron. Hello. And so uh, we'll, we're going to start by sort of recapping uh, the men's and women's basketball teams and then sort of talk about um, our season previews. What do we expect for both teams going forward this season? And so, yeah, let's jump right in if you want to start start with uh, the men's team. Yeah, so why don't we just break down pretty much the season last year. They started off um, with a couple of con non-conference wins, and then there was some shakiness in that Jamaica tournament where they lost to Loyola Marymount. Um, and then had that OT win over South Florida. Um, moving through the rest of the season, they had some ups and downs. They lost a couple close games, including that Syracuse one. That sucked. Um, but then they also won a couple of close games. They won an OT game against Little Rock. They won an, o they won an OT over Providence, but then they also lost an OT against St. John's in a home game. But then they made up for that again later on with a win over St. John's. Ultimately, they finished tied for third in the conference in the Big East, but that but due to tiebreakers and everything, they got the sixth seed in the Big East tournament. And as we all know, they faced Seton Hall in the first round, and Miles Powell put oh. on an all-time great performance um, in the first guy. half, pretty much putting the game to rest in the first half, um, knocking Georgetown out, I believe, in the quarter quarterfinals of yeah. the Big East tournament. Um, and then we had um, we were faced against Harvard in the first round of the NIT tournament, um, which was highly anticipated because of the... Um, allure of the two schools, I guess, and also the fact that um, the game was the first game played at Georgetown, uh, played on Georgetown's campus in quite some time, and there's a lot of excitement about getting to play in an arena on campus, and this, it was packed and it was exciting, but Georgetown lost to Harvard, mm -hmm. um, a school from the Ivy League, and it was quite disappointing. Very sad. And so, <clears throat> kind of some of the trends that we saw uh, from last season was that they, they had a difficult time closing out games. You know, some of them they won like the double OT against Providence and the, or yeah, the double OT against mm -hmm. Providence, the double OT against Seton Hall, um, but a couple games that kind of swung the wrong way where you had the tough loss at Syracuse with Tyus Battle hitting a last second shot. You had the tough loss against St. John's where, um, where we led by five with forty seconds to go and couldn't finish. The tough loss uh, against Marquette. In the first game, where James Akinger drove into a triple team with Jesse Govan wide open, mm -hmm. and so, so you kind of saw that these were the flaws of a young team, and James Akinger, Mac McClung, Josh LeBlanc all had very exciting seasons, but they were freshmen last year, and they're going to make freshman mistakes, and so hopefully, as we as we uh, sort of progress this season, we'd like to see them grow and learn from their mistakes, and hopefully, uh, hopefully make their game a little better in crunch time. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it can be attributed to their being freshmen. We were led primarily by a freshman core last season, along with obviously Jesse Govan, who's now departed. But I feel as though since my time at Georgetown, this has been a frequent complaint. It wasn't just last year. It's been in previous years before that they haven't been able to close out close games. Mm -hmm. I think 
it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, an important marker for Patrick Ewing's success as a head coach. How much he can address that issue. How much Georgetown could be a clutch team down the stretch. You can't just blame it on on a freshman core because there were other players on the team. Um, and going forward, we're gonna be able to see if that freshman core can develop the ability to close out close out close games. For sure, and and like you said, it's not just the freshman players. It it's even some of the older guys like Jagan take Jagan uh, getting called for charging. Uh, mm-hmm. in, at the end of the Syracuse game, that, that was a tough way to lose, and so, so yeah, you definitely like to see that, and um, it's crucial, I think, especially for Patrick Ewing because his career has kind of been defined by this: is he great in clutch? Is he Oof. great in pressure situations as a player? And so, like, how will he respond as a coach? So I think we all I think know you're about, definitely right about the finger roll against the Pacers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was about to say you especially, but I forgot. I am, I am, I am from New York, but I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan, mm-hmm. not a New York Knicks fan. <clears throat> so I can make fun of Patrick Ewing. I said it on the pod. And so another trend we sort of noticed was last season was that they tended to have these like real high like mountaintop emotional victories, and then they'd follow up with letdowns. Mm-hmm. Like they lost badly at Creighton after beating Villanova. They had the bad, lo- the really bad loss at DePaul uh, after beating Seton Hall in double overtime on Senior Day. And the and the horrific loss in the conference tournament to Seton Hall after the back and forth great Marquette game that they that they ended up taking on the road, and so again this season we we would like to see them sort of sustain that performance and be and be more consistent. I'd yeah. say I think a lot of the blame for last season. I mean, we could look internally and say that Georgetown has a lot of issues, and that's clear, but. The fact of the matter, the, the Big East last year was one of the most competitive seasons I think we've seen in recent memory, and pretty much every team was a threat. Um, the, Georgetown by in, in no way stood out from the crowd, I would say. Um, when you see a game like DePaul and you see them lose, I think, 101-69, to 69, mm-hmm. um, that's obviously extremely frustrating and doesn't really make a lot of sense if you look at the rest of the season. But then if you look at DePaul, they, have a, they had a lot of solid players last season. They had Max Struess, um, one of the best, better wings in the Big East, I think, and... Um, we'll see this season if the Big East is as competitive, and uh, that can be another reason why Georgetown might struggle. And I'm predicting that the Big East will be as competitive. Like, yes, Georgetown looks to be more competitive and looks to have have an improvement in their core, but these are still very strong teams. Villanova brought in an excellent recruiting class. DePaul had an excellent recruiting class. Um, Butler is going to be good. Creighton can shoot the lights out. Seton Hall, obviously, is going to be a top team. Xavier won't just sit there. And so it's definitely going to be a challenge competing in such in such a tightly packed conference, it yeah. seems like. That's something Patrick has definitely, you know, we're friends, so I can call him Patrick. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, of course. Okay, big dog. <laughs> he's, uh, he's mentioned that a lot in, like, press conferences, is that he thinks anyone in the Big East can beat anyone in the Big East. It's There's no bottom feeder teams, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, this season you look at it, and I mean, like you just mentioned, DePaul a great recruiting class. Even a team like St. John's is always going to be dangerous, even though they they lost their head coach and Shamori Pons. They're still going to be a dangerous team. I mean, there's just no one that's going to be an easy victory this year, right? Or ever. And so, kind of to take that next step, the the sort of themes that we've been hearing from the players and from the coaches center around maturity and defense. That's what I would say. I think. Last year we could score with we could score with the best of them, but we we allowed far too many points defensively, and uh, I I thought kind of had a lot of breakdowns in transition game, mm-hmm. and so uh, and so it'll be huge to bring in some 
some athletes like Galen Alexander and Myron Gardner and uh, guys that can sort of provide us length and depth off the bench. And hopefully we'd like to see uh, Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair kind of step up from their performances last year, which might not have lived up to the expectations after their great freshman years. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest signs that defense is something that Patrick Ewing wants to address is the fact that he brought in not one, not two, but three big, lengthy centers in his recruiting class this season, although it wasn't one of the higher recruiting classes in the country. That was clearly a focus of it. He, in um, Kudus Wahab, Malcolm Wilson, and Timothy Ikofe. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Pronunciations are difficult. <laughs> um, but yes, they that that's clearly an emphasis. Yeah, and... And uh, out of those three, it looks like it looks like Kudus is most ready to t- is most ready to sort of step in immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had a great year at Flint Hill. We kind of we kind of beat out Pitt for the uh, for the uh, f- for the rights to get him. And uh, I think that's really important that not only that Q came here, but that he's from Flint Hill, which is a local school like about about twenty twenty five minutes away from here. And so as long as we can keep getting guys like Kudis and guys like Terrence Williams, who's coming in next year. That sort of recruiting locally is going to be really important for Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. So hope so that we won't lose Josh Hart's and Chris Jenkins to Villanova right. anymore. And just getting back to that sort of defensive emphasis, I think um, while those three centers that I mentioned will be big parts of the Georgetown program going forward, most likely we'll have Omer Yurt Seven yeah. starting at the center position, and the extent to which he can be a defensive anchor will be important going forward. We know last year Jesse Govan was the center. He played the majority of minutes at that position. But while he's in, while he was a fantastic offensive player with an amazing skill set around the rim, he was not an, impo- as imposing of a defensive force as he might do, as he could have possibly been. Um, and that probably play paid somewhat of a role in his not being as highly recruited by NBA scouts. Um, but if Omer Yurt 7 can step in and we know he has an offensive skill set, if you can combine that with a defensive skill set, that would be huge. And sort of t- talking to Omer, you know he's my boy. Uh, <laughs> he is Nathan's boy. T- talking to Omer, he, he really, he's, he's a really humble guy. He works hard at it. Like, th- I, I remember there was a day where s- somebody was fixing something in tack, and so like, I literally saw him at Yates working on his game. And so... That sort of work ethic and that drive definitely translates into uh, staying staunch defensively, if I can use that word. And um, Omer is definitely much more of a bruiser down low, and so he'll he'll like to post up a lot, have his back to the basket, but he can also he can also sort of expand his shooting range. Mm-hmm. And so he's really just a complete player. And if if he can adjust to playing again after sitting out a year then I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Right, and he also played in the ACC, which should be noted. Right. Um, one of the t- top, if not the top, top basketball conferences in the country, defending players from Duke, defending players from UNC, day in and day out. And he averaged 1.8 blocks a game in his last full season playing. That's not half bad for playing 23.8 minutes a game. He can definitely be a defensive force if he focuses on it. And so adding on, so we know that Omer is one of the leaders of the team. Uh, another... Another key transfer guy to me is Terrell Allen. Mm-hmm. I think that having that experience at Drexel and UCF, which made, which obviously made the uh, NCAA tournament and pushed Duke to the limit last year, having a guy like that in the locker room, it, it'll be huge for the younger for the younger guards. Yeah. And I think I think Terrell's leadership will will definitely be something that 
the Hoyas value. A yeah, lot. where I mean, Jake and Mosley should not go unmentioned. Of course, he'll he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a, a leader for those two players as well. But to have Jake and Mosley has, has for the most part played off the bench over his career at Georgetown. Terrell Allen has a lot of starting experience. Mm-hmm. I think um, he has a lot of experience getting a lot of minutes at the guard position, and I think he can he'll be able to provide that wisdom to James and to Mac and help them going forward. I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of lineups Coach Ewing rolls out because, like you said, Terrell, Terrell started a lot over the course of his college career. And so do they go small with Terrell, Mack, and James? Do they go a little bit bigger and bring in bring in Galen and Myron and Jamarco or, and Josh? And so it'll be very interesting kind of to see how, he, how Coach Ewing mixes and matches lineups because at, at this point – the only real certainties for me in the starting lineup are Mac James and uh, Omer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think to the extent to which he's going to use his freshman is a complete mystery. Um, he's been keeping his lineups very close to chest. Mm-hmm. He's not being very open about it, and I think we'll find out a lot about what's going to happen going forward. Uh, I mean, going into the first game last season, a lot of people didn't expect to see Mac on the floor until far into the game, but he ended up starting, and it was a big surprise just an hour before the game. I remember, um, but he ended up starting the majority, if not. Like yes, the vast majority right, right. of games last year. Every, every game that Mac was healthy, he likely started. Yeah, and so, and the, the freshmen we haven't even gotten to them. They had, they they all had great years last year. Um, Mac Mac James and Josh, obviously, all three made the Big East All Freshman Team. James made the James was the uh, Big East Freshman of the Year, and so they've got real high expectations this season, and uh, especially for the guards, they're going to be looking to play better individual defense after last season. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they had um, three players on the all-freshman team, that's unheard of. I mean, I think the la- we I remember reporting this when it happened, but I don't remember the exact statistic. It's the first time it's happened in the Big East since, I think, the early 80s that there's been three players on the all-freshman team. It's, like, it's an amazing sign for the, for the program going forward that they were able to accomplish that. Right, and I think, I think given that you're starting to see more recruits get excited about the program. You're seeing guys like Q and Terrence Williams get excited. And so hopefully hopefully Patrick Ewing could continue to use that sort of development as well as the fact that he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time mm-hmm. to continue to recruit these blue chip guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, any predictions for how the season's going to go? I mean, I've definitely been more of a pessimist than my friends um, just because – it is Georgetown, and it's hard to get your hopes up sometimes. But overall, I think the team on paper does, I think, look better than it does last year. I think um, having uh, uh, three all-freshmen develop into their sophomore seasons, assuming that development continues to go well, you pair that with getting uh, a, a standout center from the ACC inserted, just inserted into your lineup to replace one of the best centers um, in Georgetown history, I think is is an, is an enormous to be able to just plug that in. And then you have a lot of the thing, a lot of pieces around that that I think will work well with it. You have Jamorco Pickett, who's an excellent defender and can shoot the three. Um, and the, the extent to which he can fill that 3 and D role, I think, will be really important. Um, but, yeah, I think they will be better than last year. Whether they're going to be, like, top three in the Big East, I don't think that they'll be able to get rise that far. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we've sort of seen in Ewing's tenure here a slow build. The first season they won 15 games, but didn't win a whole lot in conference, and it was pretty frustrating. I think they went five and thirteen in the right, and we have to remember they had year. a very soft non-conference schedule. That right, year. right. And then last year was obviously Ewing's second year. They won nineteen games and put themselves at least in a position to 
talk about the tournament. Right. And so the next logical step is the tournament. They yeah. I feel like before before this before they um, the Big East tournament, tournament disappointment against Seton Hall, there was definitely discussion about just they need to win these two games or one of these games, and they'll have a good shot at a seat in the tournament. Right. And it was we hadn't had those we hadn't had those discussions on the hilltop in a while. And you think about. If those three game, if those three losses to Syracuse, St. John's, Marquette, if e- even two of them went the other way, we'd be talking about, oh, hey, look, the Hoyas, you know, swept a top twenty-five team in Marquette, or or they beat a tournament team in Syracuse, or they beat a tournament team in St. John's, and so they're very close, and right. and uh, I expect them to make that next jump, but like you said, the Big East is a stacked conference, right. and these teams are not going to go down easy. And we talk about how they struggled against teams like Marquette and Seton Hall last year, we, we, we have discussed that, but the fact of the matter is that Marcus Howard is coming back, and Miles Powell are both coming back. We talked about how the Big East had some elite players last year, well those elite players are coming back, um, and just because Georgetown's improving does not mean that other teams are going to continue to improve as well. For sure. For sure, and we can't, and we really can't discount Marquette. We know that obviously the Hauser brothers are gone, but Steve Wojciechowski is one hell of a coach. Marcus Howard's one hell of a player. They're here to stay. Yeah. Um, so I, I still think that the tournament is the goal, mm-hmm. and that advancing far is the dream. That's that's sort of my expectation for this team going forward. Yeah, I think I think a good goal also on top of that would be to get at least one win against every against every team in the Big East. Because they showed last season that Villanova is not invincible against Georgetown. We got a win against them at home. That was a huge, one of the, maybe if not the biggest win of the season. Um, we, we beat Marquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we beat St. John's in a good year for St. John's. Uh, I mean, I think winning against every team is a, is, a, is a reasonable and accomplishable goal. And hopefully winning a game in the tournament as well. Because we've always sort of struggled in that first round where, where uh, we kind of had an unfavorable matchup against Seton Hall last year, against St. John's two years ago. And so winning in that tournament is going to be huge for us as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we so we'll uh, move on to talking about the women's team a little bit here. Uh, last season, they kind of went in with pretty high expectations, um, obviously returning Deanna White, Dorothy Anamako, and uh, Michaela Venson. Th- those players came up huge for them. They, they combined for 44.1% of the team's 61.8 points per game, and that's huge. (laughs) That uh, is an understatement for sure. Uh, I mean, those three guards were the entire team, for the most part, um, on offense and a lot defensively. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sort of as the season went along, and especially in the conference play, you saw the team leaning on those three a lot, and it, it took them decently far. I mean... They won. They won a tournament game against Villanova before falling to Natisha Hedeman and Marquette, but uh, they're gone now, and right. and we're kind of left to we're kind of left to pick up the pieces here. Right. And I mean, I, the nature of college basketball—you lose good players every once in a while, you lose a great class every once in a while, but rarely do you lose that much of a percentage of your team's production in one season and a lot of the times when it does happen the result is a rebuilding season in the next year a season for development um a season where you're going to be one of the struggling teams in the conference and unfortunately that does seem to be what we're facing this season right and so that was kind of reflected in the big east preseason coaches poll where uh the hoys were picked last and so it'll be really interesting to see who's uh, going to step up into those leadership roles, especially considering that the fourth score, the fourth leading scorer on the team last year, Brianna Jones, I think, 
average less than five points per game. So uh, who are you looking looking for to sort of step up and and kind of fill those shoes? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Brianna Jones, um, she didn't score a lot, but she was a notice. She wasn't a player that you couldn't point out in a game. I mean, she when she she when she played, she was noticeable. She was she was making plays. She was she she was rebounding. She was passing the ball around. She was getting the ball moving on defense. She was a presence. Um, I feel like she can definitely do a lot of things for the team. In terms of other players, I feel like um, towards the end of while she 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 sort of built confidence over the course of the season, which is imagine which is what you would expect for any freshman. Um, Nikola Kovacikova is going to be a, obviously a huge part of the team this year. She's will likely be one of the primary ball handlers for the team, which is something that coach head coach James Howard tried to develop in her. I think over the course of the season last year, whereas where she tried to where he tried to um, give her the ball and sort of have, have her create offense for Deanna White, Michaela Benson, Dorothy Adamako. Um, this season it's going to have, have to be a lot of creating offense for herself, and we'll see how well she steps into those shoes. For sure, and I think sort of looking along those same lines, another name that I want to throw out is uh, Cassandra Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, as you said, I think Cassie's another one of those players where she kind of got more playing time down the stretch. And uh, she's definitely going to need to be an outside shooting threat because, um, because with the loss of, with the loss of Deanna and Dorothy, uh, the Hoyas might be lacking in that department. And then obviously you would like to see Anita Kalava as well step up into a bigger offensive role. We know what she can do defensively. Um, she's, right. she's got long. She's got long range, but. Uh, we would like to see her improve on the offense. She'll, she'll definitely get a decent amount of playing time, like as a starter in the middle there, and she'll be a force defensively. I, I I'm still skeptical about her offensive yeah. game for sure, though. I mean, as a, as a as a big man, is that the right, correct? Whatever. Um, <laughs> as a big, we'll as call a, it a big. As a big, um, she she mm-hmm. shot 28 percent from the field last year. Yeah. Not not ideal, um, in any sense. Um, she, she, her, her, the ability for her to develop any sort of offensive game would be a plus for the team. Um, but she hasn't shown really an ability to shoot from the outside at all, and her her layup package, if you will, is not fully complete. Mm-hmm. And so, so maybe we we can hope to look for uh, transfers and freshmen to also step into that role offensively because right. we knew that the women last year defensively they were very good. They allow they barely allowed sixty points per game last season, and they're looking to improve upon that um, offensively. I think Taylor Barnes is a name 100%. to look out for. Uh, Average 9.3 points per game with Memphis last year. She's a graduate guard, and again, sort of that experience factor really helps. Yeah, I mean, hopefully she can have a similar sort of impact that Michaela Benson had as a transfer. Um, just having any sort of person that can take over and handle the ball is going to be huge for the team. And it's really important not only that uh, Michaela handled the ball last year. She was sort of that real. She was a really good spark plug and sort of always provided energy and. You know, whenever she drove to the rim, it was, it, it was always about speed and explosion. So hopefully Taylor Barnes can sort of bring that same energy to right. the team. Right, and, and in a season where there's definitely going to be struggles and there's going to be te- games where they'll, they'll be down by a lot of points, it's important to have a player who's been there before, who's, who's experienced and knows how to keep the team's chins high when they're facing adversity. Right, and another transfer that, uh, that's incoming this season, Jillian Archer uh, from Southern Cal. She's more of a defensive player, similar to Anita and Brianna, but uh, having sort of having that depth 
might help to uh, might help to increase the offensive output. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anyone from the Pac-12 is going to be a huge impact, I think, on the team. That's one of the better conferences of women's basketball. Um, and just and having a, a six foot two player that can that can do a lot of things is going to be helpful for the team. It's it's certainly going to be helpful. And uh, uh, adding on one of the freshmen that was recruited, Grace Ann Bennett, highly touted recruit. Uh, she's she's an important bit. She's an important big for the team, and she's a really aggressive scorer. I think she like broke the record for the scoring record for her county or something like that. Uh, in New York, but yeah. Huh? In New York. <laughs> for in New York. Uh, and so and so they're definitely counting on her down low to to provide some buckets. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, James Howard has been very high on her um, as one of their top freshmen this season. Um, if she can provide scoring down low, that's something that Anita Caleb kind of lacks. Um, if she can provide that, then that would be a huge compliment, I think, to her, and they could potentially start together as a sort of twin tower situation where one of them has a defensive role and one of them has more offensive role, um, and I think that could be something successful for the team. Right, and sort of adding on to that, you would like to see, like offensively, you would like to see the compliments of a score down low and an outside shooter, and that's where Olivia Snyder comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a dual threat offensively. She can drive to the rim, but she can also shoot from outside, which we need. So pairing Olivia and Cassie on the outside, along with uh, Grace Ann down low, might might help the Hoyas a little bit. Yeah, 100%. I think shooting on the outside is actually a strength of this team, I think. I, I think Nikola, Nikola Kovacikova has uh, a pretty a pretty solid shooting stroke. Sure. And whereas she didn't get she didn't get an enormous amount of shots off last season, she showed a lot of confidence down the stretch, down the stretch and I think she can continue to be a solid shooter from outside for sure but we look around the big east and there's there's one there's one powerhouse coming in in a year and there's some real good teams at the top depaul's going to continue to be good seton hall's going to continue to be good and so it, it really it'll be an uphill battle for the hoyas all year oh yeah i mean i just i just recall the last three i mean the last three years that i've been at georgetown just remembering deanna white's just dominance of the other guards in the big east um, just she's able to just her defensive prowess was just incredible. She could she stripped the ball away and just sped past everyone. I mean that's just not something we're gonna see this year. We're gonna see other Big East guards dominating dominating in McDonough Arena. We're gonna see what the Big East has to offer. We're gonna see on full display I think the rest of the conference and what they're capable of. For sure, and I think going back going back to your point about Deanna like. She's a re a relentless rebounder, is sort of what I think of at five right. five. At like, five five, how do you do that? She she led the team in rebounds a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. and and so it, it'll it'll certainly be it'll certainly be tough for the Hoyas over the course of the season. Uh, but yeah, I think someone's just going to need to step up into that kind of Deanna role where you're just the aggressive lightning rod for the team, where you're running at and jumping for the ball on every play, and you're just gonna whatever it takes, you're just gonna outleap the person next to you. And who would you see jumping into that role? It's tough to say, honestly. It might be. It might have to be one of the the newer arrivals, Taylor yeah. Barnes, possibly. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. I think I think it'll definitely be interesting to see. And so, um, prediction time for the women. I mean, we've already kind of mentioned it a little bit. It's going to be uh, a struggle going forward, just because of the pieces that they have to replace. Um, but the extent to which they can create that sort of offense-defense duo down low with some outside scoring. I think uh, I think mid-conference is the goal, and more likely 7, 8, 9, possibly. I think, conference. yeah, for sure. 
I think something that's important to note about this team is we've been talking we've been talking up the competition in the Big East, but at the end of the day, James Howard still coaches this team, exactly. and this team will be competitive. And even if they even if they don't even if they don't win as much, I I think they'll probably have a chance in every game they play. Mm-hmm. And so, um, bar, barring barring if they play a top ten team or something like that, I think they'll I think they'll compete and. Uh, it's in, it's interesting actually. Last year, the women kind of the kind of performed uh, below expectations, and the men kind of performed above expectations. So maybe maybe we might sort of see a reverse reverse kind of thing this year, where the women face no pressure, and so they might perform a little bit better than than you would think. And yeah. the men, w- given the expectations of oh we, we got to make the tournament. You know, we got to do all these things. They they might crumble under the pressure, so who knows? Yeah, I could definitely see a reversal of that sort. Also, just getting back to James Howard, I think it's easy to to, to overlook what he's done over the past couple of years, but I think he's done an amazing job um, with the team and with motivating them. I think it's important as he heads into his third year now as the head coach to to recognize that he's a developing coach as well, and he and the extent to which he can be uh, a force for good on this team is probably going to be greater now than it has been in the past. All right, and with that, that is our first episode of the new season of Full Court Press. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next week when we'll have another episode, and be sure to pick up the Voices basketball issue hitting the stands on Wednesday. Very yeah, exciting. check out check out check out pieces by Nathan Chan and Aaron Wolf. Those was those, only also those the, two. also the other pieces, but also but, all the other ones, but only ours, but only ours for real. <laughs> all right, catch you all next week. Peace. Teams go, of course, Big East championship. championship. I think we have a lot more length, um, and that's that's really one of our strengths. No matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. It can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you gotta stay, stay locked in, stay motivated, and do what you gotta do to be the player you wanna be.